Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. I'm John Hindorf. You know, our Inside Story series takes pride in going behind the scenes of people who are involved with motor racing and down through the years we've had some tremendous technical uh, discussions with everyone who's built engines, uh, full cars, gearboxes, dicks. But there's a whole industry that runs alongside motor racing that supports motor racing. And it's to one of the big names in that side of our industry that I've come today, as I'm going to give you the inside story on Amoligato watches. The inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits. Inside. Well, here I am at Amoligato HQ, which is not the big glass building over 47 stories that you might imagine it is, but rather like an awful lot of the artisan uh, workings that goes on in and around motor racing. Um, it's not quite a one-man band, but I'm with its founder now. I'm Shami Kalra. I'm the founder of Amoligato, um, and I love motorsport. There is a rich heritage and tradition of people involved in motorsport liking watches um mechanical watches particularly which you are involved with as well now i think it's something about engineering it's something about style uh, and engineering so when you formed the company and you can tell me when that was as well was it always going to have a motorsport connection um so I formed the company, I can, I can tell you the time and the day exactly. So it was June the 5th, 2015, I was sitting in this office. It looked a little less flash than, this, than, than it does now. Um, but it was about sort of six o'clock in the evening and I started designing stuff. And, uh, uh, and that's when the company started. Um, I've always loved motorsport. And to be able to put my trade, which I trained and I've been doing this since I was 23 years old and I was making watches for other brands, so, for instance, when Audi won Le Mans in uh, whatever year it was, they'd phone me on the Monday and say, listen, we need 100 watches made up with our logos and with our livery oh, and all the rest right. of it. So that, that's, that's where the motorsport connection came from. Uh, motorsport and timing have always been together. So, you know, it, it, you, lap times, um, circuit records, etc., etc. Subconsciously, when you're watching a race, doesn't matter whether it's... Uh, um, a trolley race or a Formula One race, it's all about the timing. Even a snail race is down to timing, <laughs> right? So, um, yes, yeah, so whatever racing there is, so timing has always been part of it. And what I found when I started the, uh, the business was that there was always an elitist approach to motorsport and motorsport watches. Uh, back in, even as recent as 2015, it was very exclusive. Mm-hmm. I hate the word exclusive because it means you're excluding people. Mm. There was no inclusive brand. If you spent your hard-earned income on something, motorsport still excluded you because you didn't have the money to have the access to the exclusive stuff. Obviously, things have changed post-pandemic. 
hopefully a lot of other racing series they're allowing people to become included to where their where the, where their heroes are and it's nice to see you know pinnacle of sports like formula one and motor gp and all these other people they've now realized that you cannot exclude your fans so the whole thinking behind my brand is to include everybody in the sport that we love i want to go back though to where you started because that's quite interesting as well so you trained as a watch designer is that is that was that your training or a, as a designer at least I, I trained as a designer I've always designed things over the years whether it be product whether it be clothing whether it be um yeah product and clothing both both things um, and I've always done design work for people. The technical side of things I've taught myself. I've never had any formal training behind the technical movements and what have you. But I have a great team back at the factory who uh, all they do is live movements and all they do is live uh, spec. Well, and, and we can talk a bit about that because there's a lot of nonsense talked about and thought about about watch movements. And there are far fewer watch movements that get used around the world by all the big brands than people probably realise. So why the move in watches then? Even when you were doing that design work, um, what what was it that, that brought you into timepieces? Uh, um, I've always loved watches. Watches have engines. It's like having an engine on your really? wrist. Okay, so whether it be an automatic and mechanical, uh, or, or a quartz or a mecha quartz, they're little engines on your wrist, and also they almost show show. Um, we're, we're all tribes, right? So there are two things that humans need. We need we need to belong to something. And we, we need hope. Those are the only two things that humans need. So whether it be a T-shirt at Le Mans where you've got a Porsche T-shirt on or an Aston Martin, you're yeah. showing what tribe you belong to because yeah. we want to belong to yeah. something. Uh, the hope side of things is whether you can either afford something one day or whether you can hope to travel to a country. We all need that hope. So what I try and do and I've, what I've always done with my design side is build a little bit of that tribal stuff that we have in our minds. And when you put a watch on, you, you become part of something. And, and that's what I've done with the brand. That's how I've done it. So you said you know the, the date and time and you've mentioned that. What was it then that made you decide to make that switch and go, right, um, I'm done with designing for other people. I need to create a brand. Because let's be honest, watches and timepieces in particular many of them have very very long histories and even when brands that are well known in other areas bring out a watch it's often quite difficult for them to do that and the watch industry can be quite sniffy about that sniffy oh crikey in the beginning i was trying i was trying to be very diplomatic there no, in the beginning honestly it was one so th the reason i started the brand is really simple i was broke um i'd been making watches for people forever i'd made my margin out of it and they the the, the, the buyers were getting younger and younger and they were asking for cheaper and cheaper mm. and so i was compromising my margins and i literally uh, when I started the business, I had £9.61 in the bank and I thought I've got to do something to, to give me some extra beer money or whatever. And literally, that's, that's literally, I, I was sitting in the office thinking I need to make some extra money. So the Friday night, um, uh, two days I sat inside and I designed uh, two watches and on Monday I showed it to my wife and I said, you know what, I'd buy that watch. Yeah. And, I, and I could retail it for less than £300 and it's an affordable motorsport watch, it's yeah. genuine. Yeah. So she said, well, do what you have to. No one had much trust in me at the time because things weren't great. Yeah. So I, I made my own website up on the Tuesday, 
Very Where did the name come from, Amoligato then? Because that, that's an integral part. That is your brand. It is. Amoligato means ready to race. Yeah. So in the 40s to 70s, if you wanted to race a car, especially GT racing, road racing, your car had to be stamped with Amoligato, accredited, mm. homologated, mm. ready to race. Yeah. So I'd always had that name nice. in the back of my mind, and I thought, that's it, because it, it tells you about the brand immediately um, and what we stand for sort of thing. So... Um, Tuesday, the website went live. I think I was down to about a fiver on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and then Thursday, we had our first sale. I couldn't believe it. It was 700 quid. And it was like winning the lottery. Wow. And then by the end of Friday afternoon, I think I'd taken two grand. And then within the first month, we took 20,000 pounds. And then within the first three months, we'd taken about 80 grand. Yeah, yeah but nothing. at that point, though, you've got to deliver those orders. Now, clearly, you knew where to go to get the fulfilment. Yeah. And this is where it comes back to that sniffiness that I told uh, was, was talking about before. Movements, the workings, those little engines on yeah. your wrists. Yeah. Even a very, very high end, there are, well, count them on the fingers of one hand, who actually always use their own movements. So you were clearly were aware of that, job. Yeah, so I, I've been designing and making watches since I was 23 years old. I'm you know, a bit older than that now. Uh, and I had great friends over in Japan. And I said to them, I've got this idea. One of my friends, I phoned him up and I said, listen, I've got this idea. What do you reckon? And he, he's well established and all the rest of it. And he said, I love the idea. He, he loves motorsport too. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a line of credit. And I think it was five grand or even that. I can't even remember four or whatever. Um, and he goes, I'll give you a line of credit. Great, I'll back, I'll back the idea and let's see whether we can do it. And I said, okay, cool. He, he doesn't have any equity in the company, but he just said to me, I, I know you love motorsport. Cool. I love the idea. Here's the line of credit. And within the first order, I, I used the line of credit up, mm-hmm. but I'd got enough money as pre-sales from people off the website to pay that off before the goods had even arrived. Right. So my order went from a sort of, I think it was about £3,000 as my opening order, I then had to change it to a six grand opening order, etc. And then I think in, in our first delivery cost us about £25,000. But I had the cash to do it because wow. pre-sales were coming in. It was almost, you know, it was nice to connect with, with, with a whole load of petrol heads who understood what I wanted to do and gave them the inclusiveness yeah. of motorsport rather than that exclusivity we were talking about earlier. We're talking Amoligato watches and their absolutely fundamental connection to motorsport which goes even deeper than what we've talked about already and that's what we'll discuss next here on this special inside story at radio show limited inside so we've established then shami the origins of your love of the sport we've established the origins of your love of watches and we've now got amoligato watches up and running what i think and we'll talk about the diversity of what you do now and how the company has grown and your offering has grown. But I think what a lot of people probably don't know is that a lot of the deals you do is putting money back into motorsport. Um, you, you're not just sitting on the outside and, and taking money out of the sport. You're putting it back in. How important is that to you and ultimately to the brand itself? Okay. So a lot of people think that, you know, I'm sitting here with a big checkbook actually not checkbook anymore is it it's all whatever electronic <laughs> cash or whatever it is 
um, just writing checks out um, to turn up on a Sunday and drink somebody else's champagne and eat their food. Firstly, I can make my own cheese sandwiches, yeah. and I don't like champagne, <laughs> right? So I don't do it for the... I don't do it. And standing next to a track and listening to the engines fire up and listening, watching the racing, honestly, I feel like crying. Um, it, it just makes me so happy. But what I'm doing with the company and what I, have, what I started doing with the company uh, from, from the beginning was is su- supporting the sport. There is a bunch of people out there who can't articulate how to bring brands in to uh, the sport and how to get them interested in going racing and see what benefits there are. So every, every deal that I've done, I, I work out how we can support the sport. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one of the best ones that I've done recently, I mean, I've done a number of with Watkins Glen in, in America and Monza. Uh, by the time this goes out, hopefully Imola is being announced. Um, if not, you've just got a scoop. <laughs> and then we're doing a couple of other tracks around the world. We're bringing partners to these people. Most sport doesn't work without partners coming in and, uh, and giving them either technical advice, um, whether it be social media stuff as well, or product to incentivize the riders, the races and what have you, uh, technical partnerships, etc. So I've got a great, great network of partners around the world who are looking at what we're doing. And often, more often than not, you know, if we send a tweet out saying we're getting involved with X race or X mm. series, I'll get a message from one of the, one of the global you know, one of my friends runs a company. He's got 23,000 employees, um, 32 billion turnover. He's a global brand. He's a great friend of mine. Every time I'm doing something, I get a message saying, Sean, what are you doing there? How can we get involved? Wow. Do they need techno advice? We can do this for them. We can do that wow. for them. What? Where's the value? Where's the B2B in it? Yeah. So it's those kind of deals that I put together in the background that people don't see or hear about. And then the profit that's made out of that... I get a, the homologata gets a commission out of it, mm-hmm. uh, or get some sort of cut out of doing these deals, and it's that that goes to the sport. So that's where we put our input right. into it. So it's not just about hey, here's ten grand, go put a logo on a car because that's the biggest waste of money. Yeah. Um, and I wish people would understand that that is the biggest waste of money. But hey, if if you, if you want to get rid of money for tax, then do it. But otherwise, there's no benefit at all. So when we see homologato at British Superbikes, yeah when we see it at various circuits yeah. around the world, that, in some ways, that's just the public face of what could be an awful lot of other stuff going on. And you, you don't have to detail some of that because some of yeah. it will be commercial and in confidence. I, yeah. I understand that. But that is just effectively the public face of, of what the partnership, yeah. and I use that word advisedly, yeah. has been between Amologato, you... And, and the other entity. Yeah. So, so when you see our logo somewhere or when you, when you see it around the track or whatever, that's almost like the high five that we've given ourselves at the end. <laughs> that really is it. Yeah, we did something. It's all in the background. It's really cool. And by the way, here's the high five and the high five is our logo. Mm. Um, the, high, the logo isn't the deal. The, you know, because I don't know how many people watch racing and they go, oh, actually, I've seen an, an advert for a radiator sealant. I'm going to go online and buy it because I've seen it around a, a touring car thing or whatever. People generally don't do that. Yeah. It, so, and, and it, in, initially when I first started, I thought people did that and that's how it worked. And I quickly realized that actually that's not how the way it worked. And, and a lot of the American uh, sponsors and a lot of the American corporations work like the way that I work. 
Um, a lot of the Europe, European brands still don't do that, but they are coming round post-pandemic. There's not so much budget. It's not so cool to be pushing motorsport anymore for a lot of global brands because yeah. we need to save the environment. We're all switching to, you know, unfortunately, the EVs. Um, so people probably don't want to promote loud machines, you know, run with um, fossil fuels anymore. Mm. And I know a lot of watch brands are pulling out for that that exact reason. Yeah, good point. So... So from the from the start on the website with two models, um, which was let's be honest a relatively short time ago back in 2015, what does Amologato offer now in terms of a variety of models, uh, and has the and has the business model changed very much? The business model has definitely changed. It, it evolves almost every time we do a deal. We learn something new. Obviously, everyone learns something new every day, right? So we're learning new. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you want to learn stuff. Sometimes you just want to blank it out. But no, we're learning things all the time. We have over forty-five different watches on the website now, uh, with big stocks coming in. Um, one thing I also want to say as well, which is really important, I own the IP mm. for a lot of the names. So when you read names like Marinello, Indianapolis, mm. um, you know, Rally Mexico, Panamericana, all these ones, I've actually registered the names and own, own the IP for Class 14. Again, investing back into the authenticity of what we do. Brilliant. So we're not just passing off stuff, whatever. We've done partnerships with Watkins Glen because nice we bought the name and we've done deals with them. So yeah. it's not just a name on a watch. There's a deal in the background. Monza. Yeah. Um, you know, etc., etc., etc. So it's it's authenticity which counts, and the genuine partnerships which count to me. And in terms of those 40, 45 or different models, let's go back to the, the the engines again. How much of that is you guys working with what you know? How much of that is you bringing new um, movements to your portfolio? So when I first started, nobody wanted to speak to me. I, really? I, nobody wanted to speak to me. I remember go, going to um, one of the shows in Switzerland and I waited outside this stand. It was very much a cordoned off stand for a movement supplier. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to buy some movements off you. And they laughed and said, have you got an appointment? I said, no, I, I've just turned up. And I think the company was about five months old. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you're not getting anything. I said, well, I'm not moving until we do a deal. Mm. So I literally sat there and then the head of product came out and said what are you doing you're annoying us mm-hmm. you haven't got an you haven't got an appointment and you haven't even got a brand and i said i know what i want to do and i know i want to use your movement yeah. how are we going to do this deal he laughed at me actually and he said oh come on it's the end of the day come and have a drink with me we've got on like a house on fire <laughs> right and now they said they're supplying us with movements and they're happy to work with us in actual fact they sent their rep round the other day just to drop off a, a bottle of champagne which i don't like anyway <laughs> but but it's you know you there are five million watch brands in the world right 30 to 50 start every week 30 to 50 go bust every week really? yeah so the competition is massive and so, and I, what I see from a lot of watch brands that start up and you see them on Instagram, what have you, nobody tells a story. Mm. Nobody's doing anything, but nobody needs a watch. And I shouldn't be saying that, but nobody needs a watch. You give them a reason. Nobody needs a car. Nobody needs to go and watch a, a motor race, mm. but you give them a reason. You put personality behind it. You give a bit of emotion. 
people buy into that and they want to belong to that. And the tribe thing again yeah. is, is, as you mentioned. All right, so all of all of those watch brands then, for the most part, are, are using the same internals and some people charging a hell of a lot more for, for watches. I'm not, not going to name any brands. It would be <laughs> unprofessional to do so and I know you won't either. But the internals here are you know done by some very specialized companies either in in japan or in switzerland or other places around the world and there are very exclusive watch manufacturers who charge five ten times as much as your watch yeah so one of the movements that we use um you can see the movement that's fine so we we use we're starting to use etta we use um seiko movements and when we first started we used myota for a lot All of Massive. them. All of those. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. I, I, I'm a bit of a watch geek, um, as anybody who listens knows. So all of those are very well known within the industry. And ETA, E-T-A, that is, is has been used down the years by everybody including, at times. Uh, including Rolex. Including Rolex and Tudor and, you know, other yeah. uh, Tudor have just started making their own, um, actually, which is yes. quite very, very interesting uh, from them. But... All of these brands that, that you've just mentioned for for movements are absolutely at the top of their game. Yeah. So Etta Movements is one of the most politically um, motivated supply chain. Really? Yeah. They can they, they can look at you and say, yeah, we want to supply you. And then they can look at you and say, we're not going to give you anything anymore. And they, really? were, they were a tough nut to crack in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And these are automatic movements now? Um, well, we're, we're at the moment, I like going back to the inclusivity mm. of what we do, I prefer the Mecca Quartz and Quartz movements because it keeps the price affordable. My brand is all about, um, if you can't afford it this payday, you may be able to do it next payday. The minute you start going up to automatic, that becomes a thousand pounds plus and that takes away my core audience. And so um, much like car brands who've made fantastic cars for the everyday guy and then they go and make a two million pound hypercar, is like, well, well, how about all the guys in the beginning who helped you not yeah, going bust? That. Yeah, and I'll, I won't mention the name, but the company knows who they are. And I, you've got to remember the people who helped got you out. Yeah. And although the, I've got more money to invest in more expensive uh, movements and materials, I then don't want to alienate the people who helped me in the beginning. So, what's the difference between quartz and mecha quartz then? So, in layman's terms. Well, oh, fair. Actually, you can be a bit technical. They're very similar. Um, quartz are uh, fully battery run, mm. very accurate. Accurate than probably, you know, a 30 grand automatic that you might buy. Yeah, true. They'll hold, they'll, you know, you pick it up and what have you and you can wear it. Mecha Quartz, the um, stopwatches run by uh, kinetic energy, so you have to wear it. Ah. And then you have um, a quartz as a backup for the time. So it's, ah. it, it's a nice hybrid. Hybrid? It's a hybrid movement. Oh, Seiko like have just started supplying us with it. And we've just bought two models out using that movement. And it's wonderful. Very accurate. Really cool. Uh, sweeping needles, that kind ah, of stuff. So nice. it's nice. And, and it's nice to be able to finally get that supplied to us. So let's let's talk about we've talked about the past we've talked about the here and now let's talk about the future um where is Amoligato in five ten years time well one of the biggest struggles that i've had is i want to get watches out in front of people because you need to feel them you need to try them on and what have you so we have a really good returns policy at the moment online but we we really want to get into retail so as of today um We've now into four or five retail outlets in America, which is great. So Indianapolis, Chicago, New York, and Atlanta. 
no, sorry, Virginia, not Atlanta, Virginia. Um, and then we have outlets and three outlets in France, uh, one in Italy. Um, but in a few days time is going to be a big one. We are about to sign with a massive retailer um, who are on the level of, let's say, John Lewis in the UK. Right. And they've got 270 stores worldwide and they're going to take the brand. And for us, that as a break- breakthrough is massive endorsement. But what does that mean for your logistics, your production, your you know, back of house, if you will, um, in terms of how you have to gear up for that, because that's going into an area that is very different from doing the direct selling from the website. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it means... It's exciting, I'll tell oh, you yeah, that. It's, but it's, it must be a bit scary as well, Shami. Dude, I, I sit back and I, I sometimes look at our social media and think, whose life is that? So <laughs> <laughs> like, really, you're doing that? Oh, actually, we're doing it. Um, we have the capacity, we can do it, we can ramp up production, um, our factory makes watches for a lot of other well-known Swiss brands, um, they do 60% of the production, or 50, no, they do 50% of the production in Japan, send it over to Switzerland, and, um, it's the dog. Hey, Corti, it's all right. That's security. Um, so they do a lot of the production, and so they can switch over production from the other brands to us. Wow. So we have capacity to do that. We will obviously have to increase our ability to um, do more um, uh, distribution from the UK. We already have a great company that works with us in Essex who do the distribution for a lot of big watch brands. Mm-hmm. And so they do pick and pack for us, and the picking and packing has gone from... You know, just a couple of watches a day to a hell of a lot more than that. <laughs> I used to do the packing a lot, and I still enjoy the packing. So uh, I still do it, and I do enjoy it. Uh, but we're ready. We're ready for this new move. And in five years' time, ha- let's go back five years. I didn't believe I'd be here in five years, let alone what the hell's going to happen in the next five. I don't know. I don't know. But the ins- the aspirations are there, and the and the potential of where we're taking it is there. So. And, and I should say that Shami and Omlegato have been big supporters of Mission Motorsport, which you know that we um, have been involved with right from the start. In fact, before there really was Mission Motorsport with uh, uh, Jim and, and the rest of the team, for which we thank you, because that is a, a, a cause that's very close to our and our listeners' hearts. Shami, I can only wish you the best for the future. It's a great story. It's a story... I feel that is nowhere near finished yet and all the best for the future. You know what? As a fan of Radio Le Mans and you're sitting in front of me, it's really weird talking to you. <laughs> and I'm actually like a rabbit in the headlights that you've even wanted to interview. So I'm, I'm, I'm really honoured to be on your radio station. Well, thank you for all the support of what you do behind the scenes in motorsport. And it's a story that needed to be told. And that's our inside story of Amon Agarno. Shami, all the best for you. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.